0: Okay, we've got to have some kind of city manager meeting for municipalities all over the world. They need to realize that when you have main thoroughfares that go through different municipalities, they can also be timed up with their lighting system. So like, I take a main thoroughfare to work every day. It's a main thoroughfare, but there's plenty of lights throughout this area. But in the middle of the night, at, let's say, use an example, oh, just off the top of my head, 4 a.m., and there's no other traffic or very little amount of traffic on all the other roads, in fact, on all the roads. When you're on a main thoroughfare, those lights should be blinking orange. So you're cautious, but you don't have to stop. The side roads should be blinking red. So when you come up to that light, you stop. If there's no traffic, you go. If you're on the main thoroughfare, I should not have to run through a complete cycle of a daytime lighting system. I shouldn't have to wait for the turn signal on the other direction and then one way, then the other, then wait for the turn signal on my side and then the other way, and then it finally turns green. No, I'm sorry. I should not have to wait that way with no traffic at 4 a.m. in the morning. And I will say that many times I do something that's illegal. I run the red light. I come up, I stop, there's no traffic, I go. (laughs) I know, I know. I'm supposed to just sit there like good little sheep and wait for it to turn green, but I just can't bring myself to do it. I'm sorry, I can't. Now, I shouldn't have to break the law. They're making me break the law when I do that because it should be the way I've said Caution on the main thoroughfares, blinking red on the side streets. It's a very simple, simple thing to do. And you would think that cities around the world, but in particular, let's use a city off the top of my head. Oh, you know, the DFW Metroplex, where it is a Metroplex. So I drive through one two three at least three municipalities before i get onto a highway an interstate so i have to deal with those lights it's a struggle i know it's a struggle that you know i go through and it's very difficult Now i've had to do this in other cities that i've lived in as well and it is very very frustrating it cannot be as difficult as it appears to me to fix city managers or whoever is in charge of whatever you want to call your little road department to take care of the lights, whatever whatever department is in charge of that, that needs to have a meeting. Those teams need to come together. And then the different municipalities that are all together, bunched up, maybe they could communicate with each other. (laughs) I know, just communication. You could communicate about construction about the timing of the lights, about anything, so that it makes everyone's life that much easier. That's what you were elected to do. Some of you weren't even elected. Some of you were hired by the elected officials to do the job. And I'm asking you, please, do your job, please. Hey, (laughs) welcome to Chewing the Fat. Okay. It was a little frustrating, that's all Driving to work this morning I just had to, you know, it's been on my mind Since I was coming in to do Pat's show this morning uh, Which I do, you know, Wednesday and Friday On the Blaze Television and Radio Network Pat Gray Unleashed. So, anyway, I just had to get a little a lighting issue this morning was driving me insane And as I stop, and some lights I don't run Because it's a big intersection But there's no traffic <laughs> I should be able to go and there were problems with you know normally you there's a, there's sensors normally you come up and the sensor says oh there's a car coming so then it turns green and you go you don't have to stop very long it's just a, a momentary stop and then it turns green so you don't have to break the law but after I sit at that light for I don't know 30 seconds to a minute and it still is not even attempting to turn green on my side I, I, it's at four o'clock in the morning, I'm going through. That's just the way it is. And you know, if you want to pull me over, Mr. Police officer, go ahead, pull me over. But that's the only way I'm stopping is if you pull me over. Anyway, so I see a story today, and I'm wondering, why haven't I been to this place before? I am so disappointed. It's an abandoned resort at Indian Ridge in Branson. It's called the Indian Ridge Resort in Branson. So more than a decade ago, uh, you know, the 2008 housing crisis and everything fell through the bottom, this uh, resort was being built. So there's these million-dollar homes that were being built that are just abandoned. It was a $1.6 billion deal that was supposed to have water parks golf courses hotels conference centers and of course shopping but the housing crisis fell through five people ended up in federal prison they had lied to get the loan they uh there was a big problem with the people that were building it and so it's just abandoned have a nice day. Now there was a TikTok user, this Carrie Jernigan one, who posted uh, stuff on her TikTok this weekend about this past weekend about the uh, about the resort, the abandoned resort, and a lot of people were saying, "Oh no, um, no, it's scary. It, it feels like it's haunted." Well, it can't be haunted. Nobody ever lived there. I mean, I know realize the houses are crumbling, but I'm not sure that it could be haunted. The reason that places get haunted is that people lived there and then left, right? Their their death aura is still there. (laughs) Those are called ghosts. But I'm really disappointed that I have not been to the Indian Ridge Resort in Branson. Um, Really, really cool looking. It's all these million dollar homes just crumbling and nobody there. Nobody cares because there was a lie getting it built and then nobody had any money with the with the 2008 housing crisis. So it was just, you're going to jail and we're just leaving it alone. Never mind. Now, it doesn't say here. I've got to kind of look into see who actually owns the property now. And it might even be just the government since they shut it down and put these people in jail. But it's just, I would just leave it. Ah, just leave it. Don't worry about it. I mean, somebody's got to come in with a little bit of cash and try to, infuse a little something right but it's a lot of money I mean you're in the you're in Missouri and you're trying to make it a big deal tie it in with Branson and still have your own entity of this resort so uh, I mean I can understand look it's your money not mine that I need to have infused in there but if you're gonna you know if you're gonna make this place have the water parks and the golf courses and the museum and I mean let's you know let's go let's make it happen what, you couldn't do that without going to prison oh okay well then never mind speaking of mansions though i see where kobe's kobe bryant that is the deceased kobe bryant uh his one of his former homes is back on the market for 2.6 million so it sold six months ago kobe's wife sold it vanessa sold to put it on the market after he passed away and uh it sold within six months and she had it on the market for uh 1.9 million and somebody purchased it for 2 million so they bought it back in 2013 for 1.3 million all right so now it's 2.6 million trying to make you know a quick 600 grand but they've done a bunch of work they put a couple hundred thousand of renovations in it but you'd think this is a huge place right i mean it's got uh it's got a A manicured backyard, lush garden, jacuzzi, barbecue and bar, plenty of entertaining space. Master suite includes views of the garden and features a custom his and hers vanity shower, soaking tub, and walk-in closet. The the owners also whitewashed the beautiful hardwood floors and beamed ceilings. In addition, they traded the chandeliers for a more contemporary piece. Clean marble covers the island in the gourmet kitchen now okay so you figure well it's in Irvine California and it's 2.9 million dollars it's in a gated community Turtle Ridge in Orange County 2,400 square feet 2,400 square feet are you kidding me that's a trailer you're talking about 2,400 square feet for 3 million bucks in California no thank you but hey good luck and it's a beautiful makeover well, it is uh, Fat Pile Friday here on Chewing the Fat, or at least we're going to try to get through some of the fat pile. There's a whole bunch of fat, you know, today. And uh so I, was, I was looking at what headlines I'm going to share. I'm going to try to get through them. But if you look at one of the emails I get, and I talk about several of the different emails that I receive just with stories and, you know, stuff that's going on around the world but as I look at the, uh, this one email that I got, I've got one, two, three, four, five quick headlines that, wow, I mean, just stuff you need to know. Uh, in the trial, uh, George Floyd's girlfriend yesterday said Floyd was hospitalized for overdose months earlier. Uh, the drug dealer was with him during the arrest. Both Floyd and I, our story is a classic story. Is how we both get addicted to opioids. But yeah, we got addicted and tried really hard to break that addiction many times. So it's the opioid's fault. I know. I know. It's not going to matter. I don't even know why we've talked about it before. Uh, you know, this trial is a look good, feel good kind of trial, but no way he walks. No way the police officer Chauvin walks. I'm sorry. No. Not if you want to save the community. I mean if he is found innocent we've talked about it before but I mean if he is found innocent and or and or not guilty um yeah it's not going to be pretty and it may not be pretty even if they find him guilty they may burn part of the city just in celebration I don't know I don't know it's not The good news is a city like Portland is a lot safer wait they it isn't No Portland's North Precinct has seen a year-to-date increase in shooting incidents nearly a hundred and four percent wow 25 homicides would put the city at nearly half of its 2020 homicide total which was 55 55 in 2020 so they're on pace for that it's good man we need to stop the police they the police are bad okay the police actually stop violence <laughs> wow what a crazy crazy thought uh and this uh, you know me I am a life in the train age, baby. I, I'm all for trains. Uh, this headline, this, uh, they have an Amtrak train map that uh, talks about the passenger railroad service saying that uh, they have a 2035 vision. It's an optimistic proposal for what is great for the rail network in 15 years if, if they get the proper funding oh oh okay so man we're going to expand and we're going to get bigger and the rail service is going to be great if if they get the proper funding oh oh okay is that how it works is that how it works no not really it's not supposed to be how it works but it will be how it works and you know with our new transportation secretary pete Buttigieg he's going to be a big fan of it, I guarantee you, so maybe one of the one of the packages stimulus packages is going to you know revitalize America a plan that we can't do without now, sure sure it's going to address racial inequities, but if we can do more for the infrastructure and more for travel, like i don't know investing in Amtrak and getting getting the proper funding so that they'll be able to reach their 2035 vision, that'll be great. Because I wouldn't want companies to be able to succeed or not succeed on the basis of merit. (laughs) Oh, man, I'm sorry for even thinking that way. That would be wrong, and I apologize for thinking that way. So it was uh, opening day of Major League Baseball yesterday and uh, people were uh, headed to the stadium. I know Texas Rangers had 100% capacity at the ballpark and even the Rangers executives said, no, you know, that's not going to be for all year. We're we're just still being nice. And it it probably is not going to be that. Oh, oh, okay. No problem. I know that uh, the crowds seem to be pretty good around the country with the footage that I saw and then i see a, a new study out it's a, i'm sorry a survey from the washington post that and it was a, you know this new poll 42% of americans feel comfortable attending a ticketed event 42% now, what if the event is held outdoors like a baseball game 66% feel okay about attending The number drops to 32% if the event is held indoors. So what if the stadium capacity is limited? Just 50% of the people are comfortable in stadiums that are at 50% capacity. If the capacity is limited to 20%, then 69% are okay with attending. The most revealing part of the survey was that Americans apparently trust masks about as much as they do the vaccine, and they put more faith in those masks than they do negative test results. Wow when asked if they would be comfortable attending a sporting event if masks were required sixty four percent of respondents said yes well they're all required but when asked about whether they would attend a game if all attendee attendees received a vaccine, only sixty nine percent of Americans were cool with that idea I mean that's what the um, uh, that's what the head of the cdc was talking about right though i can get back to normal life if everyone gets vaccine vaccinated then we everything could be fine and you don't even carry the COVID 19 after you've been vaccinated not so bad that's so a fast they had to walk that back a little bit because we've already got people who have gotten the vaccine and tested positive for COVID 19 after they received the vaccine so that's really not true there is it cdc but i know you feel you feel like there's impending doom yeah i know i know baby it's okay uh it's just incredible to me that we're still you know i get it i do i get the feeling that we all you know kind of question being in crowds now but we're moving on and it's time to get there we're getting there uh, sure, there's going to have to still be some social distancing, and you know they're still going to force the masks on you, and they're still ramming the vaccine down our throats—not literally yet—but when we have an administration that is continually telling us that it's the dark of winter, and we're still, we're still in the bad place of COVID-19. And there's still impending doom and we shouldn't gather and you shouldn't see other human beings um the american people are moving on and so while that survey you know they try to say that uh you know we're afraid to gather well yeah uh, not really you know you're talking about if the baseball game was held outdoors 66 percent they feel okay about attending yeah okay so a every game is not sold out anyway ever you know i mean every game is not sold out and i know major league baseball and the nfl and the nba and college basketball with the you know they all you know wish that it was always sold out 100 percent, but it's not so people you know might not be there anyway but the nfl has said you know he hopes to have 100 percent capacity and they open it up, and let's go. I mean, if you, can, if you could be able to go to these games, and, and, and I, I talked about it the other day, while the, you know, the viewing is down, and that, you know, obviously has a lot more to do with you know the uh, social activism of whatever sport you're watching, and they're all, you know, playing that game and wa- trying to walk that line. But I really do think that as a fan. Um, Watching the games last year, it was really strange watching football without a crowd and attendance at the stadiums. It was just, you know, I don't know. I don't know. It just didn't feel right. It was weird watching it. So a lot of times, you know, I might not. I, you know, the decision to watch a game, well, always opted on the side of the game, actually, now that I think about it. But I can understand that a peripheral fan would say eh, nobody's there enjoying it why should i and that's a problem so my, and the other thing is is that with the administration telling us that we're still in the dark of winter uh yeah these event people are going to be quest- questioning going to these events but most of you know states are opening up and states are realizing that the states that you know know that they're going to lose the power that they had this last year. They are deciding that we need to open back up and make Americans able to be, I don't know, Americans again. Uh, it's just just insane to me, just insane to me. So when I see these surveys, it uh, it's hard to take sometimes. It's hard to take. Anyway, let's go to the break room. I need something cold to drink, and I'm sure you do as well. Oh, my gosh. That is so good. Well, Hulu is in the news. Yes, they are. Hulu is uh, making quite the quite the news these days. They have... Uh, Set up a, and it says here they had landed the first project. Oh, no. I mean, I'm sure they really had to fight for it. I thought the 1619 project was really discredited now. So we're going to have that rammed down our throats again. Uh, they, so Hulu is setting the 1619 project docu-series. Oh, it's gonna, they're going to call it a docu-series, so it makes it sound true. They have landed the first project out of the Oprah Winfrey and Lionsgate deal. That's great. That's great. I hope Nicole Hannah-Jones made a bunch of money from that. Man, is that good. Spreading the disinformation. I thought we were against the misinformation. Oh, it's only misinformation you don't like i gotcha okay i'm sorry and uh hulu also uh starting today for those of you listening live on the 2nd of april 2021 the we work documentary actually that might be good to see because they we work was um you know moving along quite well uh pre-covid and then it uh and i think that they're on their way back that'd be interesting to see how that uh how that played out that might be that might be worth a watch another thing that might be fun to watch is a stage production is it yes i like plays a stage production don't, don't look at me like that don't don't look at me like that i i like plays i enjoy them okay if they're you know it's they're fun so a new stage production is in uh, the early stages of development game of thrones i know Uh, that'd be fun to watch george rr martin is uh is working along some of the uh, other writers and producers to adapt it to a play i mean he released the following statement the seeds of war are often planted in times of peace Few in Westeros knew the carnage to come when highborn and small folk alike gathered at Harrenhal to watch the finest knights of the realm compete in the great tourney during the year of the false spring. It is a tourney oft referred during HBO's Game of Thrones and in my novels, a song of ice and fire. And now, at last, we can tell the whole story on stage. So, I mean, we're going to have like an eight hour play. <laughs> I mean I bet you it's going to be a long one but it'd be fun to watch. You know I'm in the middle of watching uh, Game of Thrones again. I know. I know. I know. I know. Don't just I started watching it again with uh with my sister-in-law. She uh, hadn't seen it and we'd been after you know we've been talking and joking around about it and I can't believe you haven't seen it. So I started watching it again with her and it's so much fun watching this uh series with someone who hasn't seen it right i mean because i've watched it well (laughs) more than once and the first time i watched it i binged it myself uh then i watched it with my wife and i missed it you know with my wife i watched a lot of the a lot of the episodes some of the episodes i said uh yeah no i'll catch up though i waited for the good episodes you know there's there are some that are the filler episodes that build up and you need them in your in your repertoire to get to the you know the the good episodes but you don't if you've already seen it i don't need it i just want to see the good episodes So, uh, you know, I would bypass some of the filler episodes. Then now I'm watching every one again and, you know, building it up. And it's so much fun knowing what's coming up and having someone watch it for the first time that doesn't know what's coming up. It's so cool. It's so cool. Anyway, um, he goes on, he yaps on in his little release for a while longer. And he says, our dream is to bring Westeros to Broadway. To the West End, to Australia, and eventually to a stage near you. Uh, near you, it ought to be spectacular, George R. R. Martin. So it might—it's going to be worth. It's going to be fun. And if you can't see it in New York, you might be able to see it, you know, in in a city near you. When, when we're done with the dark of winter, COVID nineteen, and we can assemble again and feel safe about assembling again in a theater. I mean, a deep, dark theater like that for plays? Good luck, New York. Broadway is going to be... The neon lights of Broadway aren't going to be the George Benson neon lights of Broadway for quite a while. Thank you, COVID-19. One of the things that makes this program, Chewing the Fat, so much better than going to one of those nasty plays is that you can do it in the comfort and the relaxation of your own home. The surroundings that you feel safe in. You can turn on chewing the fat and just (sighs) feel better about your life. But you need to be a subscriber. So choose a platform, there's plenty of them out there. You could choose iTunes, uh, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, just to name a few, there's a plethora of them out there. And subscribe. Follow or whatever they like that they're using now because it's free. Uh, I know many of you think, oh, if I subscribe, it's costing me money, not for this show. Okay, chewing the fat. So if you're listening to this now, you know that you should be a subscriber if you're not. So go ahead and subscribe to the show and turn your life around. Turn that frown upside down. Okay, all right. And then you might as well follow me on Twitter at Jeffy JFR, and you've got facebook and instagram jeff fisher radio parlors there too if they ever you know fight back i know they were saying the other day that uh, they helped we talked about it a, a little bit uh and i heard uh, the head of parlor on uh, uh you know the guy that does the radio show nationally what's his name glenn something glenn something uh the head of parlor was on his radio show and said that they had uh, helped the FBI with uh, the the violent rhetoric that was on there, which was very little. And they were, you know, they had reached out. They, did, they 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 were the ones who reached out. So why he took that from Facebook and all, without saying that from the very beginning, I don't know. He claimed that he had to do that because uh, he wanted to make sure all their ducks are in a row that's almost too late now ducks or no ducks man the damage has been done you're not i, mean, I just i hope they you know they went back but they were on such a surge which is amazing that they were taken down from facebook and twitter huh it's really weird how that happened amazon google they all decided that they didn't like parlor weird anyway uh so you can follow me there too at Jeff Fisher Radio. <laughs> Sorry, and you can email me uh, at theblaze chewing the bla- uh, fat at TheBlaze.com. Yes, that's the email address: chewing the fat at TheBlaze.com. And uh, I try to get to all your emails. Thank you so much. Okay. All right. Goody goody. And you might as well follow me on YouTube too. Uh, I update new programming on that channel as often as I can, which is chewing the fat at TheBlaze.com as well. No. What is the YouTube channel? I can't even think today. What is wrong with me? It's Chewing the Fat with Jeff Fisher. That's the YouTube channel. Wow. I can't even... I need something cold to drink again. I've already been to the break room. Alright, but I'm taking another drink now and probably need another drink. Okay. All right. No, really, I'm, I'm better now. Let's, let's talk about billionaires for a little bit, shall we? They did a popularity poll by Vox, and they examined the popularity of billionaires in the U.S. Now, they have the top four here, and it's a, uh, pretty telling, and, uh, and, and it's also kind of agonizing. So the top four, uh, Bill Gates, Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, Mark Zuckerberg. In that order, Bill Gates' popularity, 24% were very favorable and somewhat favorable, 31% of, to, to uh, Bill Gates. Wow. So he has, you know, 55% favorable. Elon Musk 18% very favorable, 32% somewhat favorable. So he's got a bigger somewhat favorable but less very favorable and he hits that uh, you know, 51%. Wow. Jeff Bezos 11% very favorable, 29% somewhat favorable. Mark Zuckerberg 10% very favorable and I don't know where you get that from. 21% somewhat favorable. Those people must be stockholders at Facebook. But he has a 31%. 31% very unfavorable. Wow. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me though because he's not one of those guys that you see on the screen and you think to yourself wow that's a good guy i like him he means a lot to me i like him a lot you really don't think that with mark zuckerberg he's kind of the guy that you look at and go man he doesn't. i do not like him i do not like him at all and Bezos is, you know, he's, you know, I think he would get a better, a more favorable uh, ranking had he not gotten a divorce in the last what has it been a year and a half now, two years? Uh, I, th- I think if he hadn't have gone through that, he'd be more favorable. Now, for some reason, I feel like that took him down a little bit. Plus, plus, all these guys except for Elon have been really really uh they made it in america and now they want to close the door behind them and elon has not done that which is good for him although he's milking the government for millions they all are but it's just surprising that bill gates bill gates is the and he, and he had 24% very favorable 31% somewhat favorable wow just just bad now elon actually had the least amount very unfavorable which is pretty pretty good for him i mean unless people you know don't like him very much (laughs) he was only at like nine percent of very unfavorable that probably came from zuckerberg musk and gates where san diego comic-con is saying that they're going to have the convention over thanksgiving weekend what what are, what are you what are you thinking and i know that you know i mean the headline is facing harsh backlash from fans talent and press uh yeah uh on top of which that it's the you know thanksgiving after covid when we couldn't see anybody but uh although uh, we actually did have some family. Anyway, don't tell anybody. But most people, you know, were in lockdown and, uh, you know, they couldn't have Thanksgiving in 2020. So uh, they've decided to have Comic Con at, you know, this is going to be the big weekend, Thanksgiving. People are going to be able to gather again. You know, if this administration and Joe Biden believes that we're out of the dark of winter by then, uh, he was, you know, hoping we'll be able to get together with a couple of people on the 4th of July but they really are they're saying that they need to have the event and it's their organization decided that it needed to be you know obviously in-person convention and they had to cancel all these previous events so they've taken a financial hit well duh no kidding any event event that normally happens either at the same place or different places around the country the last year and a half have paid a huge price. No question about that. Everyone has taken a financial hit, believe me. But maybe it was the only weekend they could get in San Diego, although I doubt it because, you know, those places are all literally begging for events to happen look come here we can open we'll you know we'll have limited attendance and everybody has to wear a mask and you'll have to make sure that you have a vaccine we'll make sure that happens if you want but have your event here i mean that's what's happening but to have the comic con i mean it's this that's a huge event the san diego comic con that the, i can't believe that the stars and the press i'm sorry the talent and the press are going to, you know, let this happen. This might, I mean, San Diego Comic-Con either is going to have to, you know, reschedule or they're going to die on the vine, right? Nobody's going to cover it. They'll just say, yeah, uh, you know, let us know what happens. Uh, Run an online stream and we'll watch it that way. I mean, that may be what happens. So we'll see, but I, I don't know that that's really a smart move on their part. And as long as we're out in California... A very sad story, and, I, and I, I I, actually mean it. It's a sad story that is almost unbelievable. So a California mom and dad of five, they have five kids. So they're driving along, and a 175-foot redwood tree crashes on the car and crushes them. So... And I'm quoting the California Highway Patrol here. It's very unusual. (laughs) Really? No kidding. I mean, just amazing. So they're taking their annual trip to celebrate her 45th birthday, the wife, Jessica Woodruff. Uh, And they're in their 2016 Honda falls crushes them i don't even know why i don't know why just uh it's over as a picture of the family they're gorgeous and hey we don't know look we don't know what's been going on uh i've been in the department for 19 years i've been in this area for 12 to 13 years we've had trees fall down and cars make contact but not this kind of incident it's very unusual really I bet it was caused from high winds. Everything is caused by high winds today. But according to this person, nope, uh, it was no wind. Uh, It was a nice day. We don't know what made the tree fall. Oh, I mean, it was a very forested area. We have trees everywhere. It's in the middle of the redwoods. Thank you. Wow. I mean, according to the National Weather Service, there were gustier winds on the coast but where they were, it should have been fine. And it wasn't clear if the children were in the vehicle when the tree fell. But, they're, I mean, they've got a, a fundraiser for these kids, too. And, I mean, just amazing that a redwood tree, you'd be in your car, and you think that's the way to go? Have a redwood tree fall on you in your automobile? just fall come on now come on there's got to be more to this right those redwood trees i mean do they just fall i'm not a redwood tree expert i know this may come as a surprise but i'm not a redwood tree expert and here's something that you can quote me on they're pretty big (laughs) they're they're kind of big so do they just fall I mean, I've never had a tree, a lot of trees, uh, uh, you know, live in my homes, you know, trees around the house and big, big live oak and living oak trees when I was in Florida. They're monster trees, and they don't just fall. I mean, there has to be something going on, right? I mean, you've got to have, is there a redwood bug? Was it, was it the killer hornets trying to build a nest? Something, something. Right, I mean, you're not just sitting in your Honda and the next thing you know, you're crushed from a Redwood. Well, obviously that's wrong because these people, that's exactly what happened. One minute they're in their 2016 Honda and then Redwood tree. So I'm reading a story about the uh, global race to build killer robot armies and they're on the way. They are on the way, so there 's a report that came out the u s National Security Commission on Artificial Intelligence completed its two year inquiry and had a seven hundred and fifty page report. The members unanimously concluded that the United States has a moral imperative to pursue the use of lethal autonomous weapons. Wow, otherwise, we risk bringing a rusty knife. To a superhuman gunfight. Duh. Remember when uh, Eric Schmidt urged President Biden to reject the proposed international ban on AI-controlled weapons? He suspects our major rivals won't abide by such a treaty, warning U.S. leaders this is a tough reality we must face. If other superpowers are going to unleash demonic drone swarms on the world... The logic goes: the United States should be the first to open the gates of hell. Nice. I'm, uh, you know, a, no, not, not nice, but that's good to hear from Eric Smith. Although, you know, it's probably his company making the drones from hell. Um, it's just amazing. I mean, it's been two decades since we started using the drones after nine eleven, right? And so we've got a huge market on attack drones and they've got, we've got new attack drones coming out. Um, there's drone specialists and lethal drone swarms for, uh, it's just amazing that we, I, I I believe that we already are right now. Joe Biden might end that because that would be something that Donald Trump would do. Um, and, Heaven forbid that you mentioned the previous administration. You can't hear from him. We don't want you to hear his voice. Nothing. Okay? All right? So um, it's just incredible that, uh, you know, we're back to talking about that for uh, Killer Robots. But when you think about it, robots are all part of our lives now. Uh, Boston Dynamics, you know, the robot dog, they have uh, just unveiled a new robot called stretch and stretch yes that's right it uh it's a new robot and it moves boxes in warehouses so it's a little bit different than the robots that you see in that amazon has but it is uh it is a warehouse robot that will move boxes well, what about uh, humans? Well, humans will have to oversee and make sure that it's moving the right boxes and where they go for now. But I was reading a story called Rise of the Retail Robots and from Peter Diamandis. And he tells us about uh, the robots are coming on our sidewalks, our skies, and in our store. Over the next 10 years, robots will be mainstream in retail. I mean, think about that. The numbers in the last eight years, global retail robotics market is projected to grow by an order of magnitude from 4.78 billion in 2018 to 41.67 billion in 2026. And we're smack dab in the middle of that right now. So we've got uh, robots that are stocking shelves serving customers deliver products to our doorstep it's amazing what's already out there right i mean uh domino's pizza introduced the domino's robotic unit drew d-r-u first home delivery pizza robot it looks a cross between r2d2 and an oversized microwave it's got the you know it's got the lidar and gps sensors to help it navigate i mean there are a dozen or so different delivery bots that are entering the market now there's a starship technologies that are uh building a, a, an all-purpose delivery robot that has cameras and gps sensors microphones, speakers uh pretty incredible right uh you've got uh neuro who helped develop the Google self-driving car? <laughs> uh, you've got Select Kroger stores using the toaster designed robot to carry cargo, which you know originally was about twelve bags of groceries, and now it's you know it's looking it's moving uh, bigger bigger size selections in those stores. You've got uh them partnering with c v s and Walmart. Then you have Amazon announcing uh, Prime Air, which is uh, drone delivery in 30 minutes or less. Good luck. Uh, 7-Eleven and Walmart, Google, Alibaba, already part of that bandwagon and delivering, uh, having drone deliveries. The FAA has granted approval. We've talked about that before. Um, Delivery bots are starting to spare us trips to the store. Uh, And then you have plenty of robots in the store. I mean, in 2010, you had Pepper, the humanoid robot capable of understanding a human emotion, the plastic, you know, white body. Uh, now there's over 12,000 Peppers that have been sold. 2,000 companies globally have adopted Pepper as an assistant. She serves ice cream in Japan, greets eaters at a Pizza Hut in Singapore, interacts with customers at the Palo Alto electronic store. And with the COVID 19 pandemic, Pepper has been used to prepare food, greet customers, ease loneliness. Amazing! Walmart uses self stocking robots for inventory control. Best Buy uses Robo Cashier, allowing uh, select locations to operate 24 7. Lowe's Home Improvement employs the Lobot, a giant iPad on wheels to help customers find items they need while tracking inventory along the way. I mean, we are are really there already. It's not as fine-tuned as it will be, but it is there. And we've talked about it before. Uh, The robots aren't coming. They're already here. Robots are no robots. What do you do when you come out of the grocery store and you've got about fifteen thousand honeybees in your car? <laughs> so a New Mexico man goes into an Albertson's. he said he was in the car for about ten minutes, comes back out or go into the went into the store for about ten minutes and albertson's in uh in New Mexico comes back out and he starts to drive away and he notices hey what's going on there and there's all these bees in the back of his car now he had borrowed the car and he didn't know what to do so he called 911 and they brought they called the fire department and rescue crew in and jesse johnson an off-duty firefighter and paramedic whose hobby is beekeeping said, i'll take him i'll take him no problem so look, I just got done with a family barbecue and I got the call from the fire department saying, Hey, uh, can you, uh, remove and relocate these bees? Yes. Yes, I can. Because I want to quote Jesse. I'll do anything to keep people from killing bees. Right? Me too, Jesse. Me too. So he took his time. Said usually it would take about 10, 10 minutes, but he took his time It took him about 20 or 30 minutes. He got all the bees out of the car. He put them in his little, in the little beehive, and then took them home. And now he's going to have he's going to have a new fifteen thousand bees with new honey. Says he he uh, he's real happy. He's got uh, <laughs> he's got the four five four hives at his home now. He's had as many as twelve, and what's cool is that he's going to have a little bit more honey now. So my question is so. These bees just showed up in this guy's car. Now, the guy borrowed the car, so there's no telling. You know, maybe the owner of the car said, if I just give this guy my car, I won't notice the bees in the back. But I'm going to tell you this right now, just between you and me, and I know Jesse's going to hate me for this because I just got done saying that I would do anything to save bees, but that's not really true, okay? I know I lied. I'm sorry, Jesse, I lied and i know that they're normally pretty docile but you know they don't have anything they don't have a, they didn't have a home to protect they were just you know stopping by this car i guess so i guess they came from a gutter system or a home in a nearby neighborhood they didn't you know didn't have a place to stop so they said hey there's a car window that's open so let's shelter in there uh-huh so uh, again i just want you to know that you know I know Jesse said, I'll do anything to keep people from killing bees. And I said, me too, Jesse, me too. But that was a lie. Because if that was me, that car would be no more. You borrowed my car today, Jeff. Yes, I did. I did. And it's in the Albertsons parking lot and it's burned up. What happened? I don't know. I don't know. I was pulling out and the next thing I know, there was like 15,000 bees in the back of the car. And then the next thing I know, it's burning up. (laughs) There's just a fire and it's your car burning up. Because that's what would have happened. A torch. It would have been a fire blowtorch. And it would have been bye-bye Buick and bye-bye Bees. I'm sorry, Jesse. I'm sorry. Excuse me, sir. Can I borrow your blowtorch for a little bit? Because I've got a little bit of a... Isn't that your buddy's car you're burning right now with that blowtorch? Yes. Yes, it is. But look at that. Had to get rid of these bees. Sorry to bother you. Goodbye. Take care. <laughs> uh, no way. Sorry. Not doing that. I'm aware of the car is no more. And hopefully so are the bees no more. Oh, they're honeybees, Jeff. They're honeybees. Okay. No, I know. I know. I know. But I've got to get home because this weekend it's easter and i was in the albertsons getting some chocolate bunnies and you know so i just need a ride home thanks take care sorry about the car not sorry about the bees